Hi, community. Every day, I write uh, in this journal the word bless. And then underneath it, a list of eight people that I pray for. Uh, just like we've been encouraging you throughout this series to begin praying for eight people. For, for about three years, one of the names on this list was my friend Michael. Now, I want you to think of one person on your list of eight. Just one. And if you're new or new to this series, think of someone you would like to see find their way back to God, but pick just one person. Go ahead and start thinking of one person. Because at the end of the service, at all of our in-person locations, community freedom expressions, and microchurches, I want you to write down just the first name of that one person as a commitment to them and to God that you're going to bless them. Uh, Your local pastor will explain how we're going to do this together. Now, for our community online.tv, I want you to type the first name of that one person into the chat, also as a commitment to them and to God that you're going to bless them. So I want you to start thinking right now about that one person. Now, like I mentioned, for three years, I prayed for Michael, hoping to have a chance to share the good news, the, the good news of Jesus with him. Now, now, Michael and I, we became friends because both our sons ran cross-country in the same high school team. And we both loved our boys, and we loved the sport of cross-country. It was actually during one of the cross-country meets that Michael said to me, hey, you know what, I'd like for us to talk sometime. I got some stuff I'm kind of working through trying to figure out. And so I quickly agreed, and we set a date for the first of what would be several breakfasts together. That first breakfast started a routine where we would share meals. we either meet for breakfast, or sometimes he'd take me to a new restaurant that he discovered and wanted to share. Now, Michael was the guy who ran his own company, and he was used to being the boss. And I still remember one breakfast, he he says to me this, okay, Dave, I want you to be my spiritual coach. I've hired executive coaches before, but I want you to be my spiritual coach. So I had no problem agreeing, and we would meet, and we'd talk about running, life, and I would coach him on spiritual things. And that was how I served him. I still remember sitting across from him at one of our favorite breakfast places when he looked at me And he began to get tears in his eyes. And he began to share with me a story that he'd only told his wife. Uh, Michael's story was a tough one. He grew up in an abusive home. He moved out and lived on his own at the age of 15. He persevered, finished high school on his own, made his way to college, actually was a very successful D1 athlete, met and married a beautiful wife, later started his own company, and did quite well for himself but Michael had a secret and he'd been haunted every day by that same regret for two decades. I won't forget what he said. He said this, he said, Dave, for 20 years, I felt like I've had the burden of not just living one life, but living two lives. There was a backstory. When Michael was in grad school in California, he and his best friend Jay went out for a drive. Now, Michael was the best man in Jay's wedding. And since Michael was now engaged, Jay was to be the best man in his wedding. Michael said his friend Jay was just this kind of terrific human being, very spiritual guy, very moral guy. He said, just the kind of guy he would like to be like. They were in a car accident. Michael survived and Michael's best friend did not. He watched Jay die in that car. And then every day, Michael lived with the guilt and the shame of his friend's death. Eventually, he moved away from Southern California, but he never, never spoke of the accident again. 
So for nearly 20 years, Michael felt the burden of living not just one life, but really two lives, one for him and one for his friend Jay. As Michael shared his story, it gave me the opportunity to share the difference that Jesus had made in my own story, my own life, and then to explain how Michael, it could make a difference for him too. And I want you to know, it wasn't just that breakfast, but it was the praying and listening and eating and serving and storytelling and a whole bunch of other people too. But that was the day that Michael said yes to Jesus and he understood the power of God's forgiveness and his ability to redeem any situation. And then it was two months later, he was surrounded by family and friends that he had invited from all across the country that Michael had me baptize him. As Michael shared his story in an auditorium full of people, he he said this, he said, for most of my life, I thought that asking for help was a sign of weakness. What I've come to realize is that asking for help is a sign of strength. If you really want some help, the best place you can go to is ask God for help and accept Jesus into your life. I'll tell you what, as a pastor, I get to baptize lots of people. But this was a little bit different because Michael was my friend. And I, I cannot tell you how good it felt to help one of my friends come to know God's love and follow Jesus. And it was, it really genuinely was a blessing to be a blessing to him. And I'm telling you, here's, here's why I'm telling you that story. That's exactly what I want for you. I want you to experience that. See, today we're wrapping up what has been a great series called Lost Cause. Jesus said his mission was this. When he came to earth, it was this, to seek and save the lost. And as followers of Jesus, his mission is our mission, to seek and save the lost. And while some might think this mission is a lost cause, Jesus didn't think so, and neither should we. Now, we've said during this series, there are two big objectives we're trying to accomplish. Objective number one is for you to actually grow in your conviction that evangelism, it's not a lost cause. And objective number two, for us to teach you a simple, everyday way to share the love of God and the good news of Jesus in a way that people want to hear and want to receive it. And we call these the blessed practices. Five simple practices. B, begin with prayer. L, listen. E, eat. S, serve. And then the last S is story. You heard me tell Michael's story. But you know what? You have a story too that others need to hear. So I wanna talk about this fifth and final blessed practice, the S of story. It was after praying and listening and eating and serving that I had to share my story and the good news of Jesus with Michael. And here's the thing, when you are friends, I mean, really friends with somebody and you've paid the relational rent like I did with Michael, I'm telling you, your story becomes that much more powerful. And sharing your story doesn't have to be complicated. Let me explain by telling you about a man in the Bible who shared his story. In John chapter nine, Jesus encounters a man who's been blind from birth. His disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? See, this question reveals a common belief at that time that physical disabilities were a direct result of personal sin or the sins of one's ancestors. Well, Jesus challenges this notion, and he tells them this, neither this man nor his parents sinned, 
But this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus then does something very odd. He makes some mud using dirt and his own saliva. And then he places it on the man's eyes. And he instructs him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The man obeys, comes back, and he's able to see. He can see for like the very first time. I don't know if you've ever seen that Mr. Beast episode, 1,000 Blind People See for the First Time. What he does, he pays for people who can't afford to have necessary eye surgery to see. And because of the surgery, now all of a sudden they can see for the very first time. And if you watch this, I mean, it is very emotional as these people's eyes are open and they get to see people they love for the very first time. So powerful. And I imagine the same thing was true for this guy in John 9. This miracle creates quite a stir in the community. People know this man is blind and they're stunned. They can hardly believe what, they, what they're witnessing there, that he can see. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they're skeptical. And they have questions, questions about how this man received his sight. And like, are you sure you've always been blind? Do you think Jesus was using witchcraft or sorcery? And the man tries to explain that Jesus healed him. But the Pharisees, they don't believe his explanation. They think Jesus is a troublemaker and he's trying to steal their power. So here's how the formerly blind man responds. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I want you to notice about his story. This man didn't try to quote scripture. He didn't give some long theological treatise. He didn't pull out a giant post-it note and a pad and start drawing diagrams. He just simply shared his story. I was blind, but now I see. I think this once blind man's story in John 9 gives us a great framework for telling our story in three parts. I think it simply looks like this. Part one, my life before Jesus. What did the man say? He said, I was blind. That's who the man was before he met Jesus. Ask yourself, what was your life like before you met Jesus? Or if you grew up in the church, knowing all about Jesus, what was your life like before you got serious about following him? Your story begins with your life before Jesus. Then there's part two, how I met Jesus. What the man does is he shares his experience. He put mud on my eyes. The man explains this very strange first encounter with Jesus. And it is strange, very strange. But no one can debate his experience. It was his experience. So think about how you became a Christ follower. Did you go through a particularly tough time in your life that led you back to God? Did a friend invite you to church or a small group? Did a life experience inspire you to get serious about following Jesus? Did something very strange happen to you? How did you meet Jesus? Then there's part three, the third part, my life since I met Jesus. And he simply said, oh, I was blind, but now I see. That's how this man would explain the difference that Jesus made in his life. And I want you to ask yourself, all right, so what difference has Jesus and following Jesus made in your life? How has knowing him impacted both the good times and the hard times? 
And when you tell your story, include both the good times and the hard times. People want you to be honest about the challenges. Don't give them Sunday school answers. Talk about how God is growing you up still in certain areas and how you still make mistakes. And I promise you this. If you build friendships, real friendships based on praying for them, listening to them, eating together, and serving, you'll have a chance to share your story. And in fact, they may ask you to share your story. And when they do, it'll be powerful and it'll be life-changing. Now, for some of you, when you think about our simple kind of three-part way to outline your story, you know, part one, your life before Jesus, part two, how I met Jesus, part three, my life since I met Jesus, immediately, you know how to share your story. You go, I got it, I got it, this is, I got it, this is perfect. Now, others, you might still kind of be struggling to figure out your story and exactly how you would share it. And there might be some reasons why. Like, you may be sitting there thinking, well, you know what? I, I, think, I think I need more of a wow to my story. Michael's story that I told you to start off this talk, I, I both love that story, and part of me doesn't love that story. And I love it. Part of the reason I love it is because it's a totally true story. It's a testament of God's commitment to love us no matter what and to use the very worst chapters in our lives for great good. And I, I love that. But what I don't love is that when I share that story, sometimes people implicitly think that they have to have a story like that in order to share their story, that you need to have a story that includes the death of a friend and 20 years of regret and, re and a remarkable conversion in order for it to be a story worth telling or sharing. And that's not true. My own story, uh, my own story, it's, it's not a wow story. I was raised in a home by two parents that loved each other and they loved Jesus. So my life before Jesus was pretty good. At a very young age, 10, I said yes to becoming a follower of Jesus and was baptized. And because of the example of Jesus and I think God's spirit in my life, as I was growing up, even into adulthood, I mean, I felt short. I felt short in lots of ways. But I also, I didn't make some of the big painful mistakes that a lot of us make. And then I married an amazing Christian woman and we did our best definitely not perfect, things we do different, you know, to raise our family the way God wanted. But maybe, maybe here's what you should know about my story, even though it's not a wow story. If it wasn't for Jesus' example and his influence on my family and his spirit inside of me, I think my story would be entirely different. I, I think someone with my personality, I, th I think pride Pride would have driven me to do things and be things that would have destroyed perhaps my, my marriage and my family. I also think, I think there are temptations that I deal with that if I left those unchecked could easily ruin, you know, my leadership and my reputation. When I think about my story, even though it's not a wild story, my story is more a story about knowing that Jesus has protected me from things. And sure, I don't have a wow story. But my not wow story, you know what? It still made a difference in Michael's life. Now, now there's a second reason that you might be struggling to figure out your story. And it might be because you don't know Jesus yet. You haven't made a commitment to following him yet. A commitment. Author Brendan Manning said this about knowing and following Jesus. He said, my deepest awareness of myself 
is that I'm deeply loved by Jesus Christ, and I've done nothing to earn it or deserve it. I want you to ask, ask yourself, is that true of you? That at the core of your identity is this discovery that because you know Jesus, you are deeply loved by him, even though you've done nothing to earn it or deserve it. And if you're not sure, and if you're not sure you know Jesus, if you'd like to know more about Jesus, if you have questions about Jesus, I'm telling you, we would love to help you. See, once you know Jesus, I'm telling you, you will have a story. And it's a life-changing story that can change the life of, lives of others. And, and, and God used my non-wow story to reach Michael. And I want you to hear from my friend, Michael. And here he is to encourage you. Naturally, with some of the things that have happened and whatnot, I'm a very guarded person. And so I always ask myself when I meet people, three questions, you know, do I trust you? Do I respect you? And are you on my team? And I need the answer to be yes for all three. And uh, when I, with Dave, I mean, he's all three. You know, I have a very difficult story. It's a long story. It can't be told terribly briefly. I was walking around with so much um, just guilt and uh, anguish and, and whatnot. And I was just a completely different person. The very first time I told the story was in my small group with Dave, and I've told it a hundred times since. The day I was baptized, it was Easter, I went home and I have uh, nobody, I don't think Dave knew this, um, but I had an estranged relationship with my father. I hadn't spoken to my father in a decade. He doesn't know anything about me. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know I'm getting baptized this day. I get home and I get an email from him and he said, hey, I, I want to solve this. This was two hours after being baptized on my, my birthday. My dad and I have the closest relationship now than we've ever had. I love him. I, we spend, he's attached to my family. I have the closest relationship with my children and my wife that I ever have, ever. And if there's anything that I've learned, gratitude and gratefulness, very, very powerful. Even if I have an obstacle in front of me, I just know that it's, it's probably going to create a better me and it's going to make me more grateful. When, I, when I'm really grateful, I uncontrollably tear up, it's, you know, whatever. My son's in the Air Force Academy, when I hug him, I'm so grateful, I just, waterworks. And I never was able to do like any of that before, I'm just very happy. And I can tell the story very easily now. I had a friend who was from high school, he's struggling with alcoholism and uh, I had him come up into my house and stay here for the, um, the whole week. He doesn't know anything about what's happened to me since high school. And um, by the time we were done, and I was sort of telling him all of these things that had happened, he stopped drinking and he's, you know, found his way back to God and he's on his way to recovery. And so, you know, if I can do it, I, I can just, I highly encourage other people to know that it's very likely that they will be able to as well. Get in the game, be friends with God, be friends with Jesus, pray, stay focused, and just do it every day. And it's all going to be worth it. Isn't that powerful? <clears throat> Man, um, I don't know how this last week is hitting you, uh, but I wanted to take a moment as, the com as a community to respond uh, both to 
stories, uh, to pondering maybe your own story, what your story is, and then especially as we gather together here, uh, these people that we've been praying for, if you've been with us for the last five weeks, we have a note card. There's still some out on the table if you'd like to join us now. We've been writing eight names, as Dave encourages at the start, really just one one person at this point who might come to mind that you might be drawn to bless. Um, but before before we do that, here, let me just tell you what we're going to do. Um, I first want to give you a chance to ponder your own story with Jesus. So for you this morning, this might be a chance to connect uh, to where Jesus is in your life. What's your story with Jesus look like? Maybe your memory can be drawn back, even seeing Michael remembering what your life was like before, how you met Jesus, what your life's been like since. Maybe you, like Dave, I would include myself in this. Maybe you don't have a wow story, but maybe you're drawn to ponder, who would you have been if you did not know Jesus? How has Jesus been a part of who you are now with the life that you are living here in the city? Um, So take just a minute, go ahead and get comfortable. I know it's just a little cold if you need to wiggle your arms a little bit, uh, shake your hands, rub them together, that's totally fine. Just get comfortable. I like to put my hands on my lap or put my feet down just to kind of be fully present and relaxed. Go ahead and close your eyes. And for just a minute, as the piano's playing, what difference has Jesus made? Or maybe if you're still not sure if you're not close where is Jesus at even now this morning Jesus wants to say to you, to remind you. Maybe he's just reminding you where he's been, those moments you've shared with him. Maybe he's reminding you of the people who helped you find your way back to God, those people who invited you to church, the parents who drove you to youth group every Wednesday, the friend who showed you what Jesus looked like, Maybe Jesus himself right now is just extending his hand much like he did for that blind man, offering you his touch, reminding you that there's nothing you've done to deserve or to earn it, but Jesus loves you. You can continue to pray for a moment here. You can also go ahead and open your eyes. Um, I love that Jesus said in Luke 19.10, I came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came for you, and he came for me. Every single one of us has a story. You might be in the middle of your story. Uh, One of my favorite Gen Z slangs, uh, my wife Jenna has shown me this on TikTok, yet again, another TikTok reference, that Gen Z likes to say, do it for the plot, as this sort of like, do it for the story that you're living. I love that Jesus said, my story is to come and to save you and your story. That's why Jesus came.
Um, here's the last thing I would like you to do. If you uh, are comfortable, I realize this is going to take just a little bit of bravery. And if you're not comfortable with this, go ahead and just stay in your seat. You don't have to engage with other people. You can just pray by yourself. But our first week here in Victory Gardens, we did this practice. We encourage you to turn to a neighbor. Uh, so this could be right now you can even begin to slowly make eye contact. Dakota's going to turn the lights up just a little bit for us. Um, we just want to take a chance to pray together as a community. And here's my encouragement with this prayer. You can pray with the person sitting next to you. You can pray with family, spouse. Um, or again, if you see someone sitting on their own, just look at them. And if they give you the shake, no. Say, cool, no worries. I'm not going to come pray with you. That's fine. Um, but if you can, you know, gather one, two, three people. And here's, here's the question. Who is on your heart right now? that as you're sitting with your story and as you've been walking through these blessed practices, who is on your heart to bless? And, and you don't have to give a ton. You don't have to give the full backstory. Um, but as you gather just with one or two other people next to you, just uh, before you take time to pray, just say, it's, it's this person and I, I just would love to bless them in this way. And it could, again, be any of these numbers. You could start praying for them. You could get a meal with them. You could serve them in some tangible way. But who's somebody that you would like to bless right now? Share their name. Uh, close your eyes. Pray for that person. And then give the other person you're sitting with a chance to do the same. We're just going to do this for a minute. Music's going to keep playing. The lights are up. Um, and again, if you're not comfortable, just stay where you are. Uh, go ahead and take this chance to pray for that person yourself. But would you turn to your neighbor? Would you do this brave thing with me? Uh, just connect with somebody. Share a name of somebody you would like to bless. And then pray together for that person. Here we go. We'll let you turn to your neighbors right now.
ahead and give you an opportunity to just finish up here, whoever you're praying for. pray over us even as you're finishing up prayer. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you have not only blessed us, but that you actually give us this purpose to look up with our eyes, to see the needs around us, to love our neighbors, Lord. May we live our lives with such a love that our neighbors actually feel your love through us. Lord, may we hold on to these stories that you've given us. May we cherish them so deeply, even as Brennan Manning said, the deepest awareness of myself would be that I am loved by Jesus Christ and I've done nothing to deserve it. Lord, we lift up all these names that have been shared. We pray this week you would move in mighty, unexpected, and miraculous ways. In Jesus' name, amen.